This is Darrell Alia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast bonus episode 57. Drop the beat. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What's going on, BTM Tribe? We're back for another week, back for another installment, another bonus, actually, another bonus episode, guys. And these bonus episodes have been dropping so sporadically. And I love the feedback that we're getting. I love that you guys are loving these episodes. So, as this is the last bonus episode for the month, maybe for a while, who knows, but at least for the month, I decided to give you guys a two for one special. Yes, that means that you're going to hear two interviews today from two fabulous ladies. And, you know, whether you're, you're, you're just now starting out and you're not a real estate investor yet, but you're kind of learning the lay of the land, you're getting your feet wet, you're building up your contacts, or maybe you have one or two properties, maybe three or four properties, maybe even 10 and you're starting to focus your efforts on building your real estate business or building a business around your real estate investing efforts. So whether that's, you know, starting a podcast similar to this and reaching thousands and thousands of people and changing their lives, starting a coaching and consulting program, whether it's just marketing your property to tenants, whether it's marketing yourself to potential investors, I mean, the marketing challenges go on and on. So there's tons of value on this show, guys. You're going to see the multiple different ways you can market yourself, your investments, your business. And on the second episode, we'll show you how to do all of this through your cell phone. Yes. So we talk about lifestyle design and what better way to live out your perfect lifestyle design than to be able to market yourself and your business through a cell phone. I mean, we're going to give you guys like 50 million apps today to download. Like the show notes are going to be ridiculous. So I suggest that you go ahead and follow along and download the show notes now, just because today's episode is, is tons of value, but not only is it tons of value. I mean, we're giving you actionable steps. We're going to give you video apps. We're going to give you audio apps. We're going to give you picture apps. We're going to talk about podcasting. We're going to talk about coaching and consulting. We're talking about all the efforts that surround your real estate investing ventures. So we have a lot to cover and we have two different interviews that you guys are going to hear. The first interview is going to be with Mrs. Lindsay Phillips and Lindsay shows people how to market their business and how to start growing an audience and how to actually automate their business through services such as what she provides. And then we're going to talk to Tabitha. 
Tabitha is all about social media marketing. She's going to show us how to market ourselves, how to be able to do anything that we normally would have to sit down in front of a computer to kind of figure out, to kind of design, to kind of market. She's going to show us how to do all of that from our cell phones. More specifically, she's going to show us how to do that from an iPhone. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But she's she, she, she's amazing, guys. And again, so you're going to hear Lindsay first, and then we're going to jump straight into the interview with Tabitha. And I know you guys are going to love the show. So without further ado, let's jump in it. DeRay's Tip of the Week. So quick tip of the week this week, guys, so we can kind of just jump right into the meat and potatoes is if you want to follow along on this show best way to do that is through our show notes. And these are really, really detailed show notes that's highlighting the main key concepts of this episode. And it's going to have all the links that we talk about. So all the apps that you're going to be able to kind of use and download, they're all going to be in the show notes. And there's going to be a short little description of each one and how it's going to be able to benefit you and your real estate investing career. So if you are using a podcast app, then the show notes should automatically be somewhere in that app as you're listening to this show. But if you want to kind of follow along online, then all you have to do is visit beforethemillions.com forward slash episode 57. And that's five, seven, the numeric values. So episode 57. And it's the same thing for every single episode. You can follow along with the show notes and you can grab all the links that are mentioned on that actual show right there on that page. So next week's episode, episode 58, will have the exact same layout, the exact same format with a whole new description and whole new links so that you guys can always have instant access to anything that we talk about on this show. Let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. You know, as a real estate investor, it's behoove you to be a business owner and to expand your real estate investing efforts by having a, a real estate investing business that produces active income so that you can pour that into your passive investments. And we're going to get into a lot of the strategy behind how to market your business, how to use social media as an influence for your business and so on and so forth. Who I brought on the show today to help us do that is Mrs. Lindsay Phillip. Lindsay, how's it going today? It is awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked. Yes, I'm super stoked as well. So Lindsay, let's take it away. Let's dive into the time machine and let's figure out how you became to be this magnificent entrepreneur that you are today. I mean, it's an organic journey, right? It's I did own my own business years ago when I lived out West, exporting vehicles to the States, believe it or not. And just the dollar went south and it was just a different time of my life and, you know, had small kids. And then I kind of, I got the bug again. I was fine with not being an entrepreneur, but honestly, my son was really small. I was working part-time, making a whopping $11 an hour. And I was practically running somebody else's company and I wasn't loving it, you know? And I'm like, there has got to be a better way. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I wanted to work from home. And I don't know if you have kids or, you know, anyone out there, I'm sure that can relate, right? Is that having kids, it just, it changes your perspective and it changes what kind of lifestyle that you want. And that happened to me. And I'm sure no different than many other listeners that are out there. And again, just making, you know, 11, I got a big raise to $14. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, I know. <laughs> oh my God. 
<laughs> and I was working part-time there. And then I was, I had another part-time job that I loved. It was for a nonprofit. And part of that was just due to passion and juggling those two things. Again, just knowing there has got to be a better way. I need to make more money. And I just, I'm better than this, right? I innately knew that there was something inside of me that could do better things and something that I actually love to do. And so I had a friend that was in the virtual assistance world, so kind of like a VA. And she asked me, you know, hey, how would you like to get into this? So I checked it out. I did some stuff on the side, you know, in my spare time at night, God knows when else. And I really loved it and kind of got into social media and the whole online world and how much went on in the back end that I had no clue of. And yeah, I just got my feet wet. I started networking with people. I took some online courses and met some people. And I knew that this, I could do really well at it. I could easily, you know, make my mark and, and grow it. And so again, with many of your listeners that might have corporate jobs and, you know, doing real estate on the side and when do you take that leap? And some people do not. And I just, you know, juggling these three jobs, I'm like, something's got to give. So I quit my job and said, yep. I'm going to just dive in and figure it out. And I had a client and then I got another client and it just kind of organically grew, but I never had any regret. It was something that I always wanted to do. I mean, even my starting fee out the gate was miles more than what I was making up the part-time job. And I loved doing what I was doing and I was working from home. So that's kind of how I got started scary, but it, it, I'm so glad I did. Boom. I love that. And what did you see in your particular niche? What did you see in the industry that either drew your attention or, or had you thinking that you were solving a problem that maybe wasn't being solved or maybe it was being solved, but not in the right sense or way or in, in, in a way that you would actually be able to more beneficially help your clients and customers? How did you know that this space would be for you and would work out and, and both to your benefit? I knew that the potential was big. It just, it blew my mind that the online space was so vast. You could make it and morph it into anything that you want. There are no limitations. If you want to focus on one thing, you can. If you want to, you know, do a million different things, you can. And there was so much to learn and it was always changing. So that really excited me. You know, you were never with the other job and with many other jobs out there, you're stuck in this one path and you don't know how to get out of it or, or there's nowhere to move up. So the fact that this was something that I could make into my own and really take it wherever I wanted, I could make it as big as I wanted that potential and that opportunity. That's what like got me the bug. Oh, I love that. And I can totally relate to that. So let's, what, what year was this Lindsay? I know I suck at years. I'm like, I have no, how old, I think, I'm like, I always have to go by how old my kids are. Isn't that stupid? <laughs> yeah, I know it was probably at least nine years ago. So let's just say, Oh, nine. Yeah. So right after the recession, you started your business and you immediately got your first client. It seems like you got your next few clients to kind of trickle in after that. Mm -hmm. So the next major milestone I want to get to after 09 and after you start this business and after you take your entrepreneurial leap of faith and, you know, you're rocking it and you're making more money than you made at work and you went from $11 to $14 an hour and now you're, you're making way more money than that just yeah. on a client by client basis. So let's get to the very 
first failure. And I don't like to call failures failures. I like to call failures mm-hmm. feedback so that you can kind of course correct and, and know what not to do next time. But let's start with your first failure or apparent failure. Yeah. And how did that failure I set you up? I call it an obstacle. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't like that word failure either, Dre. Honestly, it was me burning out. I mean, there was only so much of me to go around. I was working in the evenings, you know, when the kids were napping and just trying to squeeze it in. And I was exhausted. And because my hours equaled dollars, because it was just me and I was doing everything, I just, you know, things slipped through the cracks or you can't get it all done or just that stress. I'm like, this is not what I came into this for. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, everyone has to go through that. You have to get through those weeds and you have to be in the trenches for a while to kind of, you know, figure it out. You can't expect it to be all like perfect and smooth and, you know, no stress. It's just, there's no way. (laughs) And yeah, so I just realized like, I'm at my cap. I'm, how am I going to get past this? How am I not going to be stressed to the max anymore? And then I, you know, eventually thought, oh, I need to hire someone and how is that going to work? And what am I going to pay them? And how am I going to structure it? How am I going to teach them? And of course, all those things come into your mind when it's like new territory. Um, and eventually I hired my first person, Tracy, who's still with me. She is awesome. And yeah, just, I'm stubborn that way. I just figured it out. (laughs) And then eventually I was able to make more money because she was doing the work and take some things off my plate. And then I hired another person. And then eventually I had three people under me doing some client work as I grew. But man, it's hard managing other people, you know, figuring out those systems, those processes just managing people who's going to do what personalities. I mean, it was a bit of a bumpy road, but I mean, Lord knows I'm glad I did now because now (laughs) I've got a, there's 11 of us all together. So yeah, I'd be lost without them. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I'm currently reading The E-Myth and I don't know, I'm sure you you maybe probably read that book before, but I'm currently reading The E-Myth and it talks about the three types of entrepreneurs, quote unquote, there's the technician, who's in their work, who's buried, who, who's kind of in that mm. position you were in in 09 and maybe 2010. And like you're doing, you're kind of doing all the work in the business and you're also trying to work on the business. At the yeah. same time. And it's just not working. And then there's the manager who's kind of doing the same things, but he's more so managing the business and, and kind of overseeing the day-to-days and making sure that we're meeting deadlines and things of that nature. And it seems like you transitioned into that role. Once you had about two or three different employees, you were able to manage the business, not be the technician, but it be the manager and still kind of try to be the entrepreneur at the same time. And then there is the full beast mode entrepreneur who actually <laughs> has that. managers in place. <laughs> and now they have a full, they have a group of technicians, they have a group of managers, and now you're able to strategize. Now you're able to plan. Now you're able to have other people implement the things that you yeah. deem to be the way that the business and the, the entrepreneurial venture should go. And you see that transition over and over again amongst successful entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing that I love to highlight because it's super, super important to know that there are stages. And if you oh, yeah. out, I mean, you got to the point to where you, you, I mean, if you were burnt out, you would have quit. 
but you yeah. got to the point to where you were feeling, you were feeling the, the, the sense of being burnt out and you knew that you had to do something about it. You knew that there were, there, there was something that needed to be done. What that was that needed to be done was for you to relinquish control of maybe something that you, you initially thought that you needed to control. You initially thought that you were all the only person that can do that job. And there might've been some, some fear there, but once you overcame those fears or once you knew that you had no other choice, but to overcome those fears, mm-hmm. that's when you met success. And I want to highlight that because this is one of your greatest failures. And we've been able to kind of uncover why it was a failure, but why that failure led you to success. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I'm a strong believer that there is always a solution. And if you take action, even if that first action is not the right one, you will take another one and figure it out to get past that. What is one of your best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And this can be an investment in money. This can be an investment in time or energy. It was scary for me to join a mastermind and have a business coach because it felt like so much money, right? And how am I going to get that money back? And, you know, that money could be going into my pocket. And I still have those financial fears where it's like, you know, only making 11 to $14 an hour. You're like, you know, holding on to your bag of money for dear life. (laughs) It took you so hard to get it. But so it was really hard for me to join. Once I did though, and I was able to take more action in my business and be more focused on my business, it was huge. Like uh, my business has grown 60% consistently over the past three years. I've met my, you know, monetary goals ever since I invested in my business through a business coach. I mean, there's different ways and different reasons you can invest, obviously, but that's the one I took. You know, when I, when I joined the mastermind myself and when I, when I started uh, hiring coaches and mentors to kind of show me what I needed to do to be successful for my goals and my family's goals and to kind of really help the people that I was looking to help, I realized that that information, those groups, that connection was more than the amount of money being spent on that. Because you think about, if you think that you're going to join a program or you're going to join a mastermind, you're going to join something and you look at that as an expense. First, you're saying that, well, I don't actually believe I'm going to get enough value out of this expense. So it's almost one of those things to where it's a self-defeating thought and you're never going to be successful or you're never just going to put that money in and make that commitment to be successful. But when you look at it as an investment, if you knew that this group or this course is going to create financial freedom for yourself and your family for the rest of your life, and you're going to have hard assets to be able to pass down from generation to generation and truly have financial freedom, how much is that worth to you? Absolutely. It's worth a lot more than the investment that you give. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, it just propels you. Even, Even that shift in your mindset, right? And having that accountability it just, yeah, it pushes you forward. In the past five years, Lindsay, what new belief or new behavior or habit has most improved your life? I think kind of, it sounds weird, but getting over myself. I remember um, starting to do videos, starting to do podcasts. Like I was scared crapless. <laughs> and then my business coach is just like, you, you have to do it. Like you can't, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And I get that, but to actually do it. Like it was freaking scary, but I mean, I'm so glad I did. I've been doing my own podcast for a couple of years now. You know, I don't care about doing videos. It's, that's fine. And I was on the stage for the first time a year ago and that was pretty scary. 
So it's like just getting outside of your comfort zone. I hated live Facebook. It scared the crap out of me too. And now I do uh, marketing in Merlot with a friend of mine every Thursday night. And we have a blast. So yeah, do things that make you uncomfortable, man. <laughs> Today, presently in 2018, how does your business look and what service do you provide for people? I love where I'm at and I love doing what I'm doing. I, I actually got to a point was about two years ago and there were a lot of things that I was doing that I actually did not like. And someone's like, well, then why are you doing them? I'm like, I don't know. And then I started saying no to clients that I felt weren't a fit or doing services that I didn't enjoy. So I niched down to just content marketing. So, you know, publishing content, whether it's blogs, videos, or, you know, podcast production and publishing it and promoting it, obviously through email marketing, social media, you know, sales funnels. I'm a firm believer in content marketing helps you attract customers. And a lot of those strategies, email, social will help you nurture those leads and build relationships. And then also, especially with your sales funnels, will help convert them. So it's like, there's a lot of moving pieces, but if you do them in the right way and through being authentic, you can reach your goals. You touched on something that I kind of want to highlight. You said that you used to do things that you didn't particularly enjoy. Mm -hmm. Once you had that aha moment, you started saying no to things that you would typically say yes to. And one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to is, I don't know if you know her, her name is Amy Porterfield. Yeah. Yeah, I love her podcast. And she had a recent episode uh, highlighting that exact attribute when she was able to start saying no to things. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially starting out, especially when you're the technician in your business, as we've talked about before, you're going to say yes to a lot of things to get to. But the objective is to eventually get to a point where you can start saying no. And once you can start doing that, you can actually start kind of cultivating the lifestyle that you want and the business that you want. And I think it's amazing. And one of the books that she recommends, which is actually uh, next up on my book list, is a book by Shonda Rhimes, and it's called The Year of Yes. So that's a book I definitely recommend that the listeners go check out. Oh, I'm going to read it and I'm going to have some feedback. Yeah, guys. cool. So, so let's, let's maybe talk about your business and what you kind of provide for your clients from inception of somebody kind of discovering your content. What is it that they're looking for you to provide and how do you deliver that value or that service to them? Sure. And I just find a lot of entrepreneurs, they know there's blogging, they know there's videos, they know there's social, but they don't necessarily know how to use it to nurture and build relationships. They don't necessarily know how to use it to, you know, bring people through their sales funnels or how to attract. So the first thing I do with clients is kind of figure out, okay, what is it that you have in place? What are your products and services? What does your ladder look like, so to speak on, you know, where do you want to lead their hand from a lead magnet to your, you know, your big goal, your mastermind program, your event, whatever that may be. And then kind of reverse engineer it. Okay. What do we need to build? But then also starting out like, where's your avatar? Where's your ideal person even hanging out? You know, are they in Facebook? Are they in Snapchat? What are their biggest pain points? And then, so then we kind of figure out, okay, what is the best content marketing strategy for you and what your, your superpower is, what you offer, and then also how you're going to attract it. Like where are your, where's your avatar hanging out and what sparks their interest. And that's kind of the starting place. And then I think a lot of entrepreneurs too feel really overwhelmed. Like 
oh my God, I have so many options, right? Will I blog? I don't know. <laughs> Should I do videos? Should I be in Facebook or Instagram? And, and if they don't know what to do next, more often than not, they're stuck and then they end up doing nothing. And so I I just like to kind of like, okay, let's get a clear plan. You don't have to do it all tomorrow and you don't have to do absolutely everything. Just create a plan that's simple. You have somewhere to start, you have consistency, and then you can build out from there. I love that. And can we pull, and this is kind of putting you on the spot here, but I mean, you can handle it. Can we pull a testimonial from maybe one of your most recent real estate investor clients, if that's a proper phrase, Mm -hmm. Um, can we pull a testimonial out of that and kind of talk about how you were able to apply your business and your business model and things that you do to a most recent testimonial? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's obviously different aspects and I have different real estate investing type clients. Some coach others and some are just, you know, investing and want to nurture. We actually created, you know, a branding document so that all their imagery is consistent, their logo, their look, their feel, their messaging is consistent. Because if your avatar is confused in any way or your social media doesn't match your website, for instance, then you're the buyer or the people that you want to connect with are going to be confused. So I've dialed that in for a couple of clients and because they have consistent social media now, it's all beautiful. It's all branded. They have increased the number of people that are following them. But the best part is that they've increased the engagement that they're getting. So more likes, more comments, more, more conversations, you know what I mean? Within social media and that breeds relationships. So that, and that part I love actually. Why is it important for an investor to maybe have a brand or a social presence? And this can be maybe from the viewpoint of the investors that you've worked with and what Mm -hmm. their goals are, or this can be what you've seen in the market overall. To me, again, from the experiences that I've had so far, it's, you know, there are real estate investors that are looking for other people to work with them or joint venture or whatever that may be. But it's, it's having a presence out there that you are the expert, you are trusted. People want to see your face, right? Especially with videos and know, like, and trust you. So it's all those building, nurturing type things to grow your circle, to build that trust so that you can do business deals with all these different people that you've never, you know, potentially met before. The other aspect is um, some real estate investor uh, experts that I'm connected with and and help is that they have products to sell or courses, you know, how to get into real estate investing. They have coaching programs and so forth. So for them, branding is really key so that they can increase their, you know, brand exposure. And it's just making sure that you're seen everywhere, putting out content to show that you are an expert in the field. You know, I do a ton of podcast production for a couple of real estate uh, investing podcasts that are out there currently. And creating that more exposure, showing yourself as an expert, and then pulling people through the sales funnels to convert. So once they, you know, get into a lead magnet, then they would buy a little course and buy the bigger course, and then obviously push them towards joining that mastermind or whatever that end goal is. 
there are investors out there who may not, you know, there, there are sometimes needs and wants and desires that you may have, and you may not even know that you have those needs, wants, or desires yet. And I'm sure you've had many people that you've worked with, many clients that you've kind of showed know them that there is actually a sales funnel and this is actually how you corral and and, and, and actually create a relationship with your clients or with your followers or with your listeners whatever it is and they're like i never thought about that so yeah let's, let's maybe take a step back and you know i want to have a conversation surrounding the average investor or the average real estate business entrepreneur or owner that maybe doesn't even think that they need this type of service? You know, what advice can you give them to kind of figure out if this is something that is for them or should they kind of just continue doing what they're doing? I think, again, it's, um, I keep going back to that word relationship. And I have a couple of uh, real estate investing clients and other clients, obviously, but is that you need to stay in touch with them, right? You want to stay top of mind. You know, they, they've grown an email list and they've gotten people that they're in connection with, but you don't want to just make the mistake of emailing them when you have a deal that you want them to review or there's an opportunity for them. You want to nurture them and serve them along the way because they will read what you have. You will come across as wanting to help them, that the focus is them, not what you want and you come across as the expert and just building that trust. I mean, I've even had some of them do really short, quick emails where there's like hardly anything in it and just asking for that person to hit reply. Hey, tell me what you're struggling with or Hey, do you have this problem too? And you'd be amazed at how many people will reply back. And it's that conversation. It's that interaction that is really, really key. That's amazing. I love that. And Lindsay, you're providing so much value in this space, and I can't thank you enough for the things that you do for not only real estate investors, but entrepreneurs in general, because I mean, this is foreign land for a lot of people. People like me, like I love this kind of stuff. I can talk about this all day. (laughs) It's not, I just kind of told you that like the kind of podcasts I listen to and types of people I hang around and you know, it's one of those things to where most investors, most entrepreneurs, either they never come across this type of stuff or they come across it once it's too late. And, you know, if we're able to kind of shed some light on this now, you know, there are many investors out there who want to start a real estate investing uh, business that, that kind of, that kind of, you know, helps other people that they can broadcast and that they can add value in the world, you know, aside from their investments. And maybe this business is something that can actually produce income for them to invest in their investments, but they just don't know where to start. They don't know how to go about doing that. And I think that we've, we've possibly given a lot of these listeners some valuable input as to what you need, where to get started and how to kind of start thinking about your business and how to kind of start reprogramming your thoughts on social media. Because I know a lot of older investors, they don't want anything to do with social media. And if we can- Oh, I know. (laughs) Tisk, tisk. For sure. If we can kind of come in and debunk some of these myths and not only debunk some of these myths, but show people there are there are people out here like yourselves that have done for you uh, services and have, you know, advice and, and all the things that you, you offer, you know, it makes it all that much easier for people to kind of break their limiting beliefs and, and push forward and have, you know, have this aspect of their business taken care of. So let's maybe talk about, you know, let's say you had a gigantic billboard anywhere in the world and it metaphorically speaking, you're getting out a message to millions or maybe even billions of people. And it's one of those things to where, what would you want it to say and why? And this can be a few words or you can kind of elaborate on it. Oh, don't you worry. I know exactly (laughs) what I'm going to (laughs) say. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) I would say that social media and 
how you look on social media and your consistency on social media is absolutely key. And here's an illustration that I use all the time. And I've done this where if I want to find a new accountant, if I want to check out a new yoga studio, whatever that may be, I always look on their website to see if they're legit and what they you know, have going on. And I always go to their Facebook page. And you need to look at it from someone else's perspective. If I go to their Facebook page and their, you know, banner, their profile picture, their look, if it doesn't match their website, I'm like, oh, they don't have it going on. And if I see that their social media posts are not consistent and they haven't posted anything in a couple of weeks, my gut reaction is, are they even in still business are still in business? Are they successful? And I wonder, are they going to support me if something goes wrong with XYZ? And then I think their customer service is going to suck because they're not even around. And then also if the posts are only like promo, like HVAC and plumbers and, and service businesses do this all the time, you know, Oh, if your water's leaking, you know, make sure you call us or, Oh, if it's you know too cold in your home, make sure you call us. If you're totally just promoting, they know that it's all about you and that you are not interested in serving them. And that will not build you a relationship. And those things will not propel you forward. Those people will just like click and bail and they will not build a relationship with you at all. And that's the truth. We are speaking to Mrs. Tabitha Carroll. Tabitha, how's it going today? It is going great. I'm super happy to be on your show. So that's amazing. I'm happy that you're on our show. And for the people who haven't heard of you, Tabitha, Tabitha teaches, and she does this for a living, by the way, guys. She teaches really, really useful tactics on how to market real estate businesses using your phone. And not just real estate businesses, really any businesses, mostly probably online businesses. But as you guys know, this is a real estate investing show. And this show is all about lifestyle design through real estate. And what better lifestyle design can we have than being able to, to actually perform tasks, real social media tasks on our phone. And Tabitha is going to show us how today on the show. So Tabitha, before we take it back to in the time machine, I think we're going to go, we're going to go to 18 year old Tabitha or maybe 21, 21 year old Tabitha. But before we do all of that, give us a quick, better detailed description of who you are and what you do today, because I feel like I didn't do you any justice. <laughs> no, you totally did. I mean, it's a, it's a weird niche, so it's not really common, but basically I teach business owners, any business owner that has a need to promote their business online, whether through social media or even, you know, if you're developing a course, uh, YouTube channel, any business owner that needs to promote their business through visual content, photos, designs, or and video, I teach them how to do that simply but professionally through their iPhones. I say iPhones, but it's smartphones too. I do have Android users, but my experience and knowledge is with iPhone. So that's my passion right now. I do have a couple of other side hustles as well that go back to my career as a teacher and all that goes along with that. But my main focus right now is what I call smartphone marketing school. 
Yes. So before we take it there, before we go back five years ago to your career as a teacher and, and maybe even longer than that, maybe six or seven years now, but you left your job as an elementary school teacher. Let's go back further. Let's go to your younger years, Tabitha. Let's talk about who you were as maybe a high school student or a college student, what you were doing and how you kind of shifted your mindset to, to entrepreneurship. <laughs> I laugh because it's like really scary to go back to that, <laughs> to that time period and, and no podcast host has ever had me go back that far. So yeah, high school, all of that good stuff. I was really super religious. I was a Jesus freak and um, nothing wrong with that. I am the daughter of two teachers as well. Zero. I was not immersed in any type of business experience within my family or friends. I was always thought it would be so fun. Like I sold beads and bracelets when I was younger and I loved the concept of eliminating. And so there was that natural curiosity and enjoyment of producing something and selling it. I thought that that would always be fun. But apart from that, I had zero experience. So I was honestly just super busy in high school and college being an overachiever and keeping myself so busy with extracurricular activities. I was doing basketball, playing the flute, really involved in religious activities. I did mission trips in college. I was seriously considering being a missionary. So on the money aspect, just absolutely zero. But I think the thread that still runs true from then until now is the fact that I wanted to live a simple life, an independent life, and to help others. So that does parallel now, you know, to my life back then as well. But pretty much everything else is really changed and super different. Oh, wow. So let's, let's fast forward maybe a few years. Let, let's get to maybe your 20s and what, what, what you started focusing on. And I know that you went on to become a teacher. How did that come about? Once again, I was never really um, strongly encouraged to to pursue my passion or anything like that. I was just like, I just want to help people. Maybe I'll be a missionary. Maybe I won't. And since both my parents were teachers, I just kind of fell in it. I went to the same college my brother did um, in Greenville, South Carolina, just kind of followed his steps. I mean, just no initiative of my own, honestly. There weren't a lot of degrees options. So I was like, teaching is something, you know, I could teach in a foreign country. It would be great to have a degree in that. So that could kind of work with what I was thinking. I did love cultures, different cultures, which is how I met my husband. So I took Spanish and I went to Honduras and um, all of that good stuff. And I was just kind of going with the flow, whatever seemed easiest, with zero thought or consideration to making money and how that could actually be the key to a lot of the goals I had in my life. And when, when did that change for you, Tabitha? Well, (laughs) 
teaching for a long time can really <laughs> make you start to consider other options and being a little bit more forthright in your life and taking control over it. Yeah, I just went with the flow. I got my degree. I got my master's. I started teaching and I loved the creative aspect of it. Obviously, I love the students and I taught kindergarten for my first six years as a teacher. But man, I, it was so exhausting and I really felt like I did not have my own voice, my own say. It's just every day you're told what to do. Depending on the school and the district, I mean, you can literally be just trained to be a robot. They give you the book. They say, you must teach this. And it wasn't that way in all of my um, teaching experiences, but the first school it was, it was literally read from this book, do exactly what we say, go to these meetings. Um, if you don't go to a meeting, you have to write a letter, explain why you have to be here. You have to do this. Um, and it just, you know, no freedom, even um, as an employed person, I feel like your talents and your abilities should be given freedom. That's how you're going to be the best, most successful. And in that environment, I was not even allowed to come up with my own ideas and innovations. It was, no, you strictly do this. And for somebody like me, who I, creativity is probably my strength, my main thing that I have going for me. And to have that totally hampered, it was not a fun experience. And so I was just exhausted going in every day, obviously not feeling like I could be 100% myself and reach my full potential and my talents and skills definitely made me start reconsidering things. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like a, a lot of the listeners can relate to that regardless of their profession before real estate investing or if they're even uh, kind of been there in their nine to five grind right now and trying to figure out how to get out. I feel like that's a very, very, those are very relatable feelings. And, you know, it's one to have that feeling. Uh, it's one thing to have that feeling, but it's another thing to actually be able to do something about that feeling. And we're all able to actually do something about that feeling. But how many of us actually get out there and challenge ourselves and actually take action and do something? Tabitha, you're one of those people and you went and you went ahead and found a way to found a way to find fulfillment, to get out of, you know, the bondage that you felt that you were in. You felt that as though you, you, you didn't have autonomy. You didn't have freedom. You weren't able to call your own shots. You had to stick to a specific certain code. And that, that didn't sit, sit well with you. So what did you start doing to change, uh, to change your environment? Well, I started to pursue side hustles, side hobbies, you know, trying to find something that interested me that I could also make a profit from. So my very first attempt was cake decorating and I, I got pretty good at it, but um, with no business sense, I was not able to make that profitable. Then when I, I my first teaching experience was in kindergarten in Georgia, then we moved to South Carolina and my last teaching job that I spent um, the last seven years of my career in, I was teaching fourth grade Spanish immersion and I was teaching math and science in the Spanish language and I was needing to develop a lot of my own resources in the Spanish language to be effective with my students. I came across at the same time a website, an open marketplace called um, Teachers Pay Teachers, where teachers can individually upload their own unique lesson plans, games, activities that they made for their own classroom and they can sell them to 
So for me, it was a win-win. I mean, we definitely need possible way for change and way out. And it was my first experience with business and my first experience with actually making substantial money that could free me, I guess, from the nine to five. So yeah, I just kept sticking with that. And I don't know if you want me to go further how that led into smartphone marketing school or not, but that was my first real moment and action. <laughs> yeah. Getting to leave my job was when I started basically what we call ourselves our curriculum designers when I started doing that. So how did that lead to smartphone marketing school? Well, I think as your BTM audience can relate if they are still full-time, it's really exhausting to be full-time and then you got to go home and work on the side hustle. So as I started to understand more about business, I realized that there's this thing called marketing, right? And that I should probably be tapping into that. So Fortunately, my husband is a graphic designer. He dabbles in photography. He's very good with tech. So at my house, just sitting there was this professional camera equipment and I have somebody to tell me what to do. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to start taking professional uh, product photos, videos of my products um, that I'm selling online. I'm going to do all this. So I was doing that and (laughs) the process was horrible for me because here I am exhausted already. It's a high learning curve for me. I'm not, um, I don't have background knowledge with this kind of tech and camera and photography, all this stuff. So I'm trying to learn. I would spend a whole weekend just to produce a YouTube video and they were good. I mean, I'm not putting myself down. I'm proud of what I did with zero knowledge, but it was ridiculous. Like the return on investment for my time was not worth it, but I still was sticking at it. And I've always had an iPhone. And when I got to the iPhone five iPhone six and I was setting up one day to do a photo video shoot I just was like why not try my phone and just see how this goes so I tried it for photos and it they look pretty good there was not a big difference and then I think when I got the iPhone success I believe is when I switched to video too because um, by then I think 1080 HD video was available with the iPhone camera And from then on, I never looked back because not only was I using this as a camera, I was also using this as my editor, my photo editor and my video editor and oftentimes just to upload. So the whole process I could do just on one device, whereas before I had the camera, then I had to upload to my desktop, then I had to make sure I had the software and all that good stuff. And I was also always having to be wherever the camera equipment was or my laptop was. Whereas with my phone, anytime I had a free moment, I was working on something. I was editing a photo. I was scheduling for social media. I was working on a video. And for me, it was just a huge time saver. And even just making the fact when you shift to make something that you hated before and loathe to do when you actually make it something enjoyable that's also a huge shift in your mindset and your energy because now something that was horrible is actually fun so it totally helped me as well when it came to marketing and not seeing that as something 
this horrible to do item at the bottom of my, my list. Now it was like rising to the top of my list as one of my favorite, most fun things to do for my business. So I, as I was exploring this whole new world of creating my visual marketing content with my iPhone, we're in this um, teacher entrepreneur niche where I'm very close. And on Instagram, I started just sharing a little bit, you know, side note tips. Oh, by the way, I made this post with blah, blah, blah app or whatever. And there seemed to be some good interest. So I started an Instagram account called the Smart Co Marketing School. I started a newsletter and I took it very serious. I was very intimate with my audience at the time and being personable with them and helping as much as possible. And I really started considering if this was a content that I could monetize. And so I started a website, started a membership program, and the first launch enrollment went really well. That was uh, May 2016. And at that point, I was like, I'm definitely going <laughs> to quit my day job or resign for a little while. Um, I, ne I, I have not closed the door off from teaching at all. I mean, that's my career. But um, I was like, so that from that summer, um, I talked to my husband, I talked to my partner teacher. And then like, yeah, the end of the next school year is when I resigned. I didn't know this before we started interviewing, but you and your husband are also real estate investors. Is that right, Tabitha? <laughs> <laughs> yes, timid, yes, real estate investors. <laughs> low key, low key, that's probably the word. So Tabitha, you have you have some some knowledge in the space. So we're gonna we're gonna get to the strategy. We're gonna talk about exactly how real estate investors can benefit from using their phone to maybe promote what it is that they're promoting in their business and how they can do that, you know, to create the, the lifestyle design that they want. Because at the end of the day, a lot of us we have to pull out our laptop or we feel as though we have to pull out our laptop to start marketing. We have to pull out, we have to get in front of the computer. It just, it's how we've always been trained and it just feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. So to get out of that comfort, I want you to walk through some things that we maybe do not realize about how we can market on our smartphone that, that'll make things so much easier. So let's maybe start there. What, are, what, what is one thing that we don't know as real estate investors that we should know that as far as being able to market what we're marketing on our phone? Well, one thing I think is would be really big, I think, to utilize for me, I um, think it's really important. And in 2018, it's really big. And that's stories. And this is something that I think would be awesome when you're, it does not have to be, and for those who don't know, stories is um, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, and then there's Snapchat too. But it's basically just snapshots or video of what's going on in your life. But it's an amazing tool to build connections with people and to also, like you were saying, you, we feel like we have to be on our laptop to produce this professional marketing. But you actually, people right now, they're worn out and over the whole professional type commercial stylized perfect marketing ads that they see what people are craving is realness authenticity i mean that's why the kardashians <laughs> are where they're at right because um, it's just raw and it's real so the cool thing i think about stories is the fact that you can give insights to where you're at every day with your properties, if you're going to visit, if you want to give some insights, show things you have available. If you want to just talk about you and let people get to know you, it builds trust. 
and really help step it up to the next level for people to be willing to, to commit, to make the purchase, so forth. And another reason I bring um, stories, because I think a lot of times professional type businesses, whether it's real estate or, you know, who knows, um, they don't feel that their business lends itself to stories marketing because it's so visual. But I mean, real estate is super visual. But the other thing is that we are getting really hit businesses are getting hit hard with algorithms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, you know, it's pay to play now. And like you said, if you're not even familiar and don't feel like you know what you're doing with ads, that can be a dangerous waste of your money anyway. But stories, as of the moment that I'm talking to you, Duray, it may change tomorrow, but there is no algorithm on this. So we're talking about it's still a way to reach your audience organically and people can private message you. And I've gotten a lot of connections with people. They won't comment on my Instagram posts, my Facebook posts, but they will definitely direct message me all day long. And so it's just a big trust builder. It's a connection starter. So it's definitely one thing that if you're not familiar with it, that I'd recommend trying. And the awesome thing is it you do not have to know what you're doing. In fact, it's almost better if you don't, because it can be raw and perfect. It's just, you do just want to kind of be interesting but definitely does not have to be, oh, this perfect edited. No, it's, it's raw. And that actually um, works better than anything. I love that so much. So Tabitha, let's maybe talk about how we can create blog images on the go on our phone and then use those as the image for our blog posts and, and kind of just do that. And I guess like super, super fast on our phone. So yeah, this is all that I use my phone um, for creating blog images. And the amazing thing with the apps I'm going to share is the ability to take that design that you've worked so hard on, on your phone and to resize it. So then that same design can be sent out to wherever you're at on social media. So the apps that I would recommend, if I had to just give one app, it would be Adobe Spark post. But the sad thing is they keep saying they're going to have a beta version for Android and they don't yet. But hopefully that'll come out soon. But the beautiful thing about Adobe Spark Post is it's really created for those who don't have design experience. They'll they'll choose colors for your text based on what's already in the image, or you can choose from free library of stock photos, don't even have to have the image. But when you first set up, it'll open you up to Instagram sizing. If you look at the bottom, you will have one that's literally says blog post image or something. So that's the one you pick. You don't have to be figuring out pixels or anything like that. It's going to be the right kind of widescreen sizing. You set it up. And if you're more advanced, you can really get detailed. You can put in your custom hex color codes. You still can't do custom fonts, but they do have a lot of font options. So you kind of want to go through that first time that you're creating a blog post with this app, whether it's Adobe Spark Post, another option is over, which I love. And then another option, these all have the different sizes that you need would be Word Swag. Word Swag is really for those who have no design skills or experience. But anyways, so once you set up and take that time initially with either Adobe Spark Post or over and you get that design just the way you want it, those two apps save 
your project, which is fantastic. So the next time you write a blog post, you just go to that old blog post design, you duplicate it, tweak it, tweak the text, tweak the image, and you're done. You're good to go. So it, originally when I was first using my phone for design, I would choose a lot of apps that didn't save my projects. And that's okay if you're just whipping out things for Instagram or things like that. But if you know this is going to be an over and over again process, definitely look for design app that saves templates. WordSwag doesn't, but it is really amazing for creating really nice looking designs on the go with different sizing as well. And then, like I said, once you've got that blog post design created, you can not only duplicate it for future blog post designs, but you can duplicate it, go to the resizing button, and you have all the different social media sizing options. So you could turn this into a story design and let people know in your stories that you've got a new blog post. You can change it to square one-to-one, send it out to Instagram, and also um, to Facebook. So um, Twitter as well, all of those options are available for you no brain energy required because these apps do all the resizing for you. And that was a, a very, very great and thorough explanation. <laughs> yeah, it's so confusing. Adobe Spark by itself is a video app, which is great. It's a wonderful video app, but it is widescreen only on the phone version. The desktop, I believe, has Square. So I don't play with it too much because I'm all about Square right now, but you would need for design, you would need to look for Adobe Spark Post. Adobe Spark Post. So what would you say is the difference between Adobe Spark Post and maybe uh, uh, what I use, which is Canva? Oh, Canva's amazing too. So Canva, the app is getting so much better but originally I was not impressed because I couldn't like import from my camera roll. I couldn't like layer if I wanted to add my logo or add other items. It, you could only be really simple. But the fantastic thing about Canva is the, you know, the syncs with your desktop version, which Adobe Spark posts, I do believe as well, but I'm, I'm never on my desktop. So I don't know. But I know with Canva, if you're already using Canva, definitely get some practice with the app because it's just win-win. You can take the designs you've already worked hard on on desktop. Now you can duplicate them as well and they have all the resizing. So yes, Canva, thank you for bringing that up actually, is amazing. Now Adobe Spark Post, for me, I feel like I'm able to get more complex designs done. And another feature, but I know Canva on desktop has this, but I don't believe the app has it. But Adobe Spark Post if you um, tap the effects tool you, and then tap animations, you can actually add an animation to your design and turn it from a still image into a four second video with um, your design. So um, for those who are wanting to do a little bit more video, they say it's so important. It's just a cool extra feature that I love. I'll often use that for my stories so that it's not just a still image going into my stories, but now it's an animated text video. That's another cool feature as well. But if you're loving Canva, stick with it. You know, whatever works for you on your phone, you know, just stick with it. That's usually better than 
having a million apps and getting confused and you can't remember which one to use and all that. For sure. For sure. So I'm definitely going to have to download one of them on my phone right now. I, I, I strictly do marketing on the computer and hopefully I can hand that task off pretty soon, but that, that's kind of how, how I do it now. So Tabitha, we're, we're in 2018 and as far as marketing goes, what's at the forefront, you know, over the years, things change all the time, but what, what seems to be at the forefront this year and what seems to not be going anywhere anytime soon is video marketing. Whether you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on Snapchat, you're on YouTube, video marketing is the wave. And Facebook knows this. Facebook is actually creating incentives for marketers to put more video, to market in more video, less pictures, less text, and more video. That's the way of the future. So let's maybe touch on video marketing for a little bit. What do you suggest as far as video marketing on your iPhone? Do you just pull out your phone, you go to your camera app and start recording your video? Is that the way to do it? Or is there an app that can kind of help us record videos and get it out to the public? So yeah, I typically just use the iOS native camera when I'm recording, but then I'll run it through an app to get more special things. I mean, if you're wanting to get more professional, you could use Filmic Pro is um, one that's very well known, very popular. I do like that if you, for example, know that you want to video in square and you want your size to be square, then Filmic Pro will let you go ahead and set that up before you record. So that's kind of helpful because sometimes when you're videoing, you know, just um, widescreen or portrait and then you go to do, you know, crop or something to square and then your head's cut off or something, that can be an issue. But I typically don't like to, I try to, um, do widescreen all the way or portrait mode all the way and then I'll go in and crop later. So yeah, I just use the iOS native camera. Biggest tip I can share that's so simple yet so helpful is to wipe your lens. Um, <laughs> I, love it. I mean, all the time I'm seeing these videos that are very cloudy looking and when that when I see that, I usually know that this person needs to wipe their lens. Even for a photo, anytime anything is going to go on social media, wipe your lens. It will make such a big difference. That is the biggest futuristic tip you have given. I, love <laughs> I mean, that's up there. That's, that's high and mighty. <laughs> I love it. So we've covered a lot and let, let's cover one more thing in this section before we round out. Now we talk about we talk about the ability to create images and, and art for your blog posts. We talk about videos and in the video section, you know, it's actually one of those things to where you actually just need to kind of stick to the basics and use your iPhone camera. That's the best way to record your video. Do you have a video a uh, editing app or are you still using kind of the iPhone features for that as well? Oh, I video apps for sure. For sure. <laughs> they have come. So far, I remember just two or three years ago, iMovie used to be my app, but I actually don't, and I'll tell you why in just a minute, but um, it would shut down all the time because our uh. processors on our phones just could not handle the video and doing all the different functions in these apps. But now everything is becoming so seamless. I mean, a video app hardly ever shuts out on me now. It's just so amazing. So, um, like I said, iMovie, you know, it's classic. You know, if you're already familiar with it, it's great. I just don't recommend it. I'm just not using it personally right now because of the widescreen format. So um, widescreen's fine, but for social media, you want to go square because people, it's just more space in the 
um, your audience's feed. It's going to show up bigger and more noticeable. And the majority of your audience now is on a mobile device as well. So widescreen just looks really small. So when it comes to just some easy video editing apps that give you some really great results, I always, number one, recommend Quick. It's Q-U-I-K. It's available for Android as well. It's actually owned by GoPro. And this is, it's meant to take, it's not so much great if you're talking in the video or wanting to do voiceover, but if you're just wanting, let's say you're showing a new listing, it, you just can mix videos and photos and add text overlays, which is really what works so well on social media now anyway, because oftentimes the audio is muted. So people are not going to hear you when you're talking anyway. They'll have to make the ex extra effort to tap and listen, and that they usually won't, only like 20 30% on average will. So quick is amazing. It'll combine your photos and videos. Then you can add the text for the important details about the listing. You can customize how long the duration of your video and fabulous feature. <laughs> I'm all about resizing as you um, probably have noticed is that you can go in, um, you tap the wrench tool at the bottom and then um, there's I forget the name, but one of them is for resizing. When you tap on that, you have three options now, widescreen, square, or vertical. So I've been talking about stories. If you're like, well, how do I even like, get into stories? Well, first create that square video and save it to your camera roll. Then you go back to the quick app. You pick that project, duplicate it, make a copy, go in to the wrench, go into your um, sizing and change it to vertical. And then you can adjust the time to 15 seconds because stories are 15 seconds long and then post to your stories. So it's win-win. You're able to repurpose that same video, get it out to multiple platforms, bigger audience. So that, that one app there for most of the BTM audience, I think that's going to be great, but um, I'll share just a couple more. Hype yeah. Type, um, that's H-Y-P-E-T-Y-P-E, -E, is really great at, at adding really cool, engaging text overlays to video or photo clips. And there's just 15 seconds long, and you may be like, that's so short. But nowadays, it's really just about grabbing people's attention with the video enough where they'll stop and read your description. So if you're investing time in two to three minute videos, I really unless you're so engaging and you may be, if you're engaging, you can be as long as you want entertaining actually. But if you're not just all you want is a 15 second clip that will grab people's attention. So height type is great for that. You have um, different sizings as well. Ripple R I P L it's only for photos, but you can do multiple photos, but it won't work if you're also have video clips you need to add, but it does amazing text, animations, themes, styles onto your photo. And then for those of you who are really into video editing, you've got that experience. The video app that I'm using right now that's blowing my mind for custom detail precision video editing is called InLight Video Leap. And that is my go-to Every day I'm using that app and it has, um, it saves your project. So I have like a stories project, I have an Instagram project, I have, you know, tutorial video project. It's just an amazing, amazing app. It's kind of like what I wish iMovie would have morphed into, but it didn't. So 
Yeah, I, I, those right there, there's so many more, but it, it can actually be um, overkill when I mention a bunch of apps because it's really about finding the ones that make sense to you that you understand can get a, gra- a grapple on. Is that the right word? A handle, <laughs> a handle on and, um, and, and sticking with those and just getting really um, good at a few apps. Yes, that's perfect. And it's crazy the world that we live in today, Tabitha, because, you know, even when you talk about listings, I have, and this is from personal experience, the same, uh, and, you know, me posting my listings on the Zillow's and Realtors.com and all these, all these MLS sites and places where you're supposed to post your listings and get hits, you know, I would, I would post my listings there and I would have great pictures and all, and I would do, you know, I'd do the whole shebang and I would get, I would get, I, get, I would get quite a few, quite a few hits. But what's crazy these days is, you know, they tell you post these things in the Facebook marketplace, post these things on social media. And I'm just like, really? Is that really going to be the place for these things? But okay, whatever. So I would post my listings in Facebook, in the Facebook marketplace, and I would get just as many hits. So guys, take heed to that. Understand that the world is evolving. It is changing. And Facebook is a powerhouse when it comes to things like, uh, you know, being able to buy and sell, posting your listings, being able to rent out your property. It's amazing. And you touched on one other thing, Tabitha. You touched on the fact that when people actually watch your videos, and I love that you threw out a statistic because I was going to ask you about this next. When people actually watch your videos, it sounded like almost 80% of the people who watch the videos don't even listen to the video. So as far as text overlay, I think that's uberly important when it comes to creating and editing your videos. You need some text overlay. You need some call to actions. You need something in that video that's not only going to grab their attention, but hold their attention long enough to perhaps uh, have them read the captions. Is that correct, Tabitha? Yes, yes. I mean, and it, it it's okay if you um, need to, you know, talk and there's a lot of detail. But if, yeah, if you can throw um, some text overlays, even if it's not um, subtitled every word for word, if it's at least giving them where they can understand the video without hearing you, you definitely want to do that. And then if they um, decide to click on it, then they get more detail with what you're saying. But yeah, I, I nowadays I just wouldn't ever throw out a, a video that does not have some type of text on there to keep them, you know, engaged and understanding. And something else I was going to say is like Facebook lives. I mean, just mobile Facebook lives. If And I know for a lot of people, that's not their comfort zone. So totally get that. But um, I'll tell you right now, Wednesday nights seem to just be crazy for Facebook lives and getting engagement. I mean, there are people, I don't know, doing some crazy stuff. My husband and I, one night, we were like, it was like midnight. Of course, midnight's not going to be a time you're like going through a house or something. But it was like, I mean, people were just like selling things in their house and they were getting like 500 to 1,000 viewers. It was crazy. So if, if you have the personality for that, I mean, and you can do it mobily, just, you know, get started, wipe your lens first and, and, <laughs> and show a house, you know, like who even knows that could be, I mean, it's really finding what works for you, but what gets engagement and that could very well be a good ticket item for somebody. For sure. For sure. That's super valuable. And, and Tabitha, we're titling our conversation. We're titling this podcast, wipe your lens. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. I mean, cause now Dre, I know you, I'm going to be like checking your photos and videos. <laughs> And see, if they look cloudy, you're going to hear from me now. I'm just kidding. I, 
that, that's what friends are for. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? I loved the 12 week year. I think it's Brian Moran. Oh. And it made me, because it's so easy to say you want to do X, Y, Z, and then, you know, time goes by and then you don't. But the 12 week, it focuses on your actions instead of the results and the thing that you want. And it celebrates your the actions that you take on a daily and weekly basis. And it just snowballs and you get so much more done. Ton of great advice in that book. Love it. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. And unlike many or I guess, Lindsay, I know you probably have a lot, so I'm super interested in your answer. No pressure. <laughs> I know. I tout myself as the tool nerd. <laughs> I do love tool geek. I love tools. I could not live without Teamworks. And, but I mean, there's Basecamp, there's Trello. Basically a project management tool that enables you to create tasks, so that you don't have to have it floating around in your head all the time. And it holds you accountable to what your to-do list and you can even prioritize, you can set tasks. I obviously delegate a lot to, to my team, but it keeps me on track so that I don't forget things. Even here's a really cool tip. Even if you know how you email someone and you ask them for X, Y, Z, and then all of a sudden a few days go by and you're like, hey man, I didn't hear back from that person. But then that task is three days away, you know what I mean? So it's like, I even set my tasks up to remind myself that I need to hear back from that person because I'm waiting for that piece of info so that things don't slip through the cracks. That is my favorite, favorite tool. Oh, I love that so much. And a fun one that I love is Canva for making beautifully branded uh, social media graphics. Amazing, amazing. So we, we're gonna put in Trello, Basecamp, and Canva. Love it. There you go. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I love that if my kids are sick, if they have a PA day and they're home from school, that I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to spend extra money in daycare costs. I can take care of them. I can- Oh, the cool mom. I know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm here for my kids. And honestly, it's like if I'm feeling crappy that day and I want to wear sweats, I can wear sweats. <laughs> if I want to deke out and have lunch with my husband, because my husband is actually in the business with me. And yeah, it's just, I'm in control. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm not at the mercy of someone else. That's powerful. I love that so much. What were the sacrifices you that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Time. Yeah. I mean, you have to expect that when you're starting and growing a business that you are going to work weekends. You are most likely going to have to work in the evening to get some stuff done, to onboard a new client, whatever that may be, and or to do some of the grunt work, you know, as you kind of get going. So for me, the biggest sacrifice was, you know, I don't work evenings anymore, but back in the day, there was a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of sweat equity. <laughs> I, trust me, I could imagine. And I mean, it's just one of those things. Again, you kind of go through the, the entrepreneurial journey. You go through your process and, you know, you, it's almost like you paid your dues, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Damn skippy. <laughs> <laughs> Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? I would say my business coach, because there's a lot of things that I wouldn't have done if it weren't for him and the group. 
again, you know, just being uncomfortable, the thought of speaking on stage, the thought of having my own podcast show, you know, and conquering those limiting beliefs of like, who wants to listen to me talk about X, Y, Z. And then it just, you know, gave me the confidence that, yeah, I know what I'm talking about and I've got something to share. And yeah, I would definitely say the my business coach and that mastermind group for their support and, and pushing me. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention mm-hmm. on getting to the millions? I think so many people, and I've been there, have those limiting beliefs. I mean, I used to think, you know, who am I? You know, a mom of, of two living in a small town. But no, you. it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter, you know, what your past was. It's just believing in your abilities and conquering those limiting beliefs. And the other thing is not asking for support, not asking for someone to do X, Y, Z for you, to hire someone, to outsource, to... You cannot get that far ahead by just doing it on your own. And if you do, my God, you're going to burn out and you're not going to be happy. What's the point? It's been spectacular. We've gotten so much value from this, Lindsay. I can't thank you enough oh, good. from our conversation. I know our listeners have been able to take away a whole bunch of quality nuggets. So we thank you again for your time. If the listeners kind of want to get a hold of you, if they want to learn a little bit more about you and the services that you offer, where can they find some of that information? You bet. So they can go to smoothbusinessgrowth.com and then right on the homepage there, I've actually got a social media roadmap that they can download so that they know where to ha- how to get started. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And we'll have all those links in the show notes of this episode, listeners. So again, Lindsay, thank you so much for the value that you've provided. And we'll talk to you soon. You betcha. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? So I'm going to mention this book. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it was definitely the pivotal book for me for realizing that I needed to change my life and I needed to become full-time working for myself. And that is The 4-Hour Work Week yes. by Tim Ferriss. Yeah, it's pretty well-known, pretty well-known. Um, I still haven't gotten to the 4-Hour work only week that's more like at least every day but um yeah so many key takeaways for me in that book i love that i love that book so much and that book gets a lot of backlash and it has a lot of critics and people have to understand that he he, the title of the book is supposed to be provocative i don't think anybody really works for hours a week tim himself has never worked i mean he says it in his interviews he never works for hours a week but people get taken away with what we're trying to do as entrepreneurs and this whole this whole the way that the world is going now with everybody having an online business a youtube channel and people not necessarily needing a job anymore and people frown upon books like the the four-hour work we can think that it's nonsense but it's not it's very actionable it's real life Mm-hmm. I and mean, it's really where the world is going. And the book name is just uh, just a, a marketing tool. So I love it. I love it. Question number two. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Okay. This one, yes. I should definitely... Oh, gosh. I'm just like looking at my phone screen. <laughs> really, really want to... Um... You are the wrong person to ask about yeah. <laughs> your favorite app. Okay, so I'm going to do one on productivity that has really helped me stay on top of projects, ideas, um, and keeping it all together and not losing it. And that is Trello. Have you heard of that one? I have. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's awesome. It's it just composed of um, you create 
first a board and then within the board you create lists and then within the list you create cards so you can get so much information really fleshed out and detailed within this app but the awesome thing is it has the desktop version so I'm definitely not anti-desktop I have it bookmarked on my desktop and then I have it on my phone I'll use the 3d touch feature on my phone probably five times a day when I'm like oh that would be a great tip or that's a great thing that I need to do or blog about. I just 3D touch, which if you don't know for iOS users, you can do a hard press on an app and it will just open up some quick shortcuts. And so like my top two boards will pop up and I tap on the board, add that idea. And then I don't have to have a panic attack that I'm going to forget because now I know it's in there and it's saved. So yeah, this app, I couldn't live without it. Love it, love it, love it. And I'm glad you recommended that app because these these productivity apps are really becoming popular. I personally use Evernote and I use Workflowy and those work for me amazing. But I heard that Trello is actually one of the top apps in, in, in this space. So uh, listeners, definitely check that out and it'll be in the show notes as well. So what do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? The thing that I enjoy most, I guess, broadly would be <laughs> choosing what I do every day. And so within that means <laughs> getting to sleep in <laughs> and getting to be with my husband and my dog way more and also being able to take more time to make healthy habits in my life because obviously when you're full-time side hustling, food exercise that's last on the list you're usually picking whatever's quick and now I can actually really take the time to make better choices I have way more energy and my husband was just saying last night he was saying he's like I just love like I have to say this correctly because <laughs> um he's like I love that you're you know you're just always like in a good mood happy because for 13 years, it was just, I was often not in a good mood because when you're stressed, you've slept four hours. How are you not going to be like kind of, um, sh you know, quick and have an attitude, I guess, you know, and now it, it's been such a huge change this year, just basically because I get to choose now. I, I have that freedom. I love that so much. And it's, it's one of those things to where, Man, it's it's just so it's so riveting. It's like you do have the ability to create your schedule. You have the ability to actually focus on your health, focus on working out, focus on what your diet is, and you, you, you know you have enough hours in the day to where there there are so many aspects of your life that are that are just as important as creating a living for yourself and having income that you tend to neglect those when you have a full-time job and especially when you have a, a really really rough job that demands more than eight nine ten hours a day out of you mm -hmm. in my prior life i was a big four accountant and we would work 13 14 hour days and it was there was no work-life balance i mean we would literally sit in an office and eat all day <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes i mean have you ever been to the workroom of the work lounge and a school at the teacher's lounge i mean donuts everything it's like they know that like they're trying to just get us through 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what they're doing. I mean, it's it's literally a, an abundance, of, an overabundance of food. It's too much. And it's literally the what how they compensate for, for getting us through today. And it's crazy. But yeah, like you said, your lifestyle design is perfect to where you have the ability to create, to control, to, to, to better your health. And I think that speaks volumes. So you talk about, you know, the past you talk about, and I almost feel like we're going back into the interview. I got to stop. <laughs> talk about the past. I think that this next this next question is a perfect segue. So what were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, just basically what I have now, I didn't have then. So I had to sacrifice sleep. I had to sacrifice a lot with my relationships, um, especially with my husband, because it was just like always working, like just OCD working. But, you know, the hope is that, you know, you put that big investment of time and hard work up front and then you're going to reap those rewards, you know, later on. And I'm very fortunate that that came true in my case, but it was definitely sacrificing somewhat of my health and my time and, you know, not being able to make as many memories, which I think is really the key in life um, to be able to do. But just knowing that I was going to be able to to get back, get that back and more once I um, quit the day job. And I'm happy to say that so far, all of that has been well worth it. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? <laughs> so definitely my husband, absolutely. He, besides just his expertise and knowledge, I mean, he gave me my first iPhone and I could always go to him and be like, how does this design look? Or what do you think? I throw ideas off of him all the time. Besides being like kind of my mentor, he would also just, he doesn't go down the what if tunnel or the worst case scenario tunnel like I do. So when I would freak out about things or, you know, I'd have an enrollment for my business that wasn't going as well, he would always help me think positively and be realistic and rational and not go to extremes with my fears and doubts. And when you have somebody like like that in your life, it's invaluable. I mean, there's no price tag on that. So he, I'm just very thankful for him. Yeah. And I hear that all the greats have mentors, but I'm, I'm sure it's even more amazing when your mentors are significant others. So I love that. Yes. This is the last question. Why do you think so many of us are stuck? before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? For me personally, we're just overwhelmed. Unfortunately, I know here in the United States, we, our society kind of uh, raises us to just, to follow the model of working nine to five, taking out a lot of loans, where you feel like you can't ever not work to nine to five because now you have all this debt and you know, it's just the cycle cycle. And also your time just goes by so fast. Next thing you know, I mean, I don't mean to be morbid, but next thing you know, I mean, you're done. That's it. You know, that was your life. I mean, and it's sad to say, but we, we know that this is the cycle of so many people and it was definitely the cycle in my life. I, I knew that I could be doing more. I knew that I was not happy, but where was the time for me to actually sit down 
and make change, make difference and make a, you know, make a difference. I just couldn't find it. And I always had the stress that, Oh, I gotta, I gotta just keep working, just keep working, just keep working. And I, I think if we can not let fear of the unknown and fear of the future, if we can make that stop making us work so much and actually just try to block it out for a moment where we can sit down, come up with a plan and really think about if the worst thing I can think <laughs> of happens, am I going to be okay? Yes, you're going to be okay. I mean, we have a lifestyle here in the United States that we think you have to have to live as a human being. Go to any other country and you're going to realize that you can live on a lot less. And if it comes to that, for me personally, but yeah, I'm still choosing what I do every day, then I, I'm successful. You know, for me, that's a win. So I think like getting over the fear, getting over the overwhelm and really taking the time to make change a priority in our life is what people need to do. And also that fear and overwhelm is what's stopping them. You've provided us with, with so much value. So many apps have it. Oh my goodness, our show notes are going to be like three pages long. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've provided us with so much value. And I love it. I love it so much. So if listeners want to reach out to you, if they want to learn a little bit more about you, where and how can they get a hold of you? Well, Instagram and Facebook are my main social media interaction places. You can just look for Smartphone Marketing School and I'll pop up. And you always can feel free to direct message me, any questions, anything like that. I love to interact with people. And then as far as on my website, TabithaCaro.com, T-A-B-I-T-H-A-C-A-R-R-O.com. And you can find my blog there with a ton of posts about things really cool, fun marketing things you can do with your phone also. I love that. And I think this this episode has been for any and everybody who's looking to actually get serious about marketing, to take their marketing to the next level. And not to the next level in the sense of it has to be super professional, but in the sense as though you have a streamlined process, you have a way of doing things, and you have a way of doing things on the go. So with that said, Tabitha, we will talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Lallier, and let's talk soon.